Hello, and welcome to the Victory Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever time you're listening to this. I am your host, Monique Watson. On this episode, I sat down with my new friend, Zenith Blackman. We talked a bit about food science, how she got into that career. And then we went on, I wouldn't even call it a tangent, just really explored a, a deep conversation around a lot of things in society that really run the gamut of politics, DEI, and everything in between. So turn up your volume and uh, I hope you enjoy it. So welcome to the Victory Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Watson, and I have today one of my newest friends uh, and colleague, uh, Zanetta Blackman. How are you doing, Zanetta? I'm doing well. How are you today? Doing good, doing good. Um, so we have Zanetta on today. We've recently sort of, and we'll talk a little bit about this, and I'll tell you a bit of where we're going today. Um, she's going to tell us a little bit about herself, talk a little bit about how we know each other, and then we'll talk about Zanetta works um, with me in, in a different area, but in we work in the same company, and we'll talk a bit about her career and how she got into her field, what are some challenges, and, and especially with it being Black History Month and highlighting Black voices, and especially folks in the STEM field, kind of getting her thoughts and that perspective and that lens, and any other comments that float through during the course of the podcast. When we talk on, on a kind of work connection meetup call, we ended up talking for a great length of time. So I was like, perfect for a podcast <laughs> setting. This is the way. So so tell us a little bit about yourself, Zanetta. So my name is Zanetta Blackman, as you introduced me already. Um, I am a food application technology. So I'm a food scientist by trade. Um, I work in... Um, in the dairy applications. So um, now that at the company that we were working for, I actually flavor um, dairy products as well as working with natural colors. So in all like sweet foods, so cereals, bakery, confections, dairy, and also beverages. So um, that's pretty much what I do um, in terms of work. Um, is there anything else that I missed? <laughs> you can tell us a little about you, the person, like where you're from, where you live, all that, if you want. <laughs> Not like the house address and nothing like that, like that but, you know. <laughs> no, okay. Um, yes, so I'm from New Jersey. I, I was born and raised in North New Jersey. Um, most people are familiar because they, if they ever come to New Jersey, a lot of people fly out of uh, North Airport. So I'm from that, uh, that location. Um, I went to school for, um, I majored in chemistry, um, and I've been in food science, in food science um, for the last eight years. Um, I have a daughter, um, so I'm a single mother, one daughter. Um, I have a very, very, very close family. Um, I call it my village who helped me with everything. Um, I am... Um, very involved in church activities. So I go to a, a Baptist church here in Newark um, that I've gone to all my life. <laughs> um, and I also sing on, in the choir with them, which has, has been very interesting during COVID, um, but it's been very, right. very fun. <laughs> um, so that is, is me. Awesome. 
Yeah, so, uh, as I mentioned in the intro a bit, uh, we met um, through our, our uh, what I'd call like a Black employee network, sort of uh, did a program with these kind of, weren't really mentoring sessions per se, but like connection meetings to get to know different yeah. people. Recently become a much larger company, probably about doubled in size and, you know, Yay, more black people and getting to- <laughs> like yay, there's little, more of us. Let's get to know each other. A little more sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, I feel a, a little flecks of pepper in the in the milk bowl. Okay. So uh yeah, so that is I think how we got to really connect and we t- chatted for quite a bit. And Zanetta just we just went and just talked. It wasn't some conversations, you know, you meet people and just like, how's it going? Great. So we just had a brief technical interruption when we were recording. Um, so let's jump back into our podcast and pick up where we left off. <laughs> let's get back to where we were. Um, so yeah, we know each other. We met through our Black employee network, trying to connecting colleagues together since we're now like doubled the size of our new company. And so, you know, yay, more, as we're saying, more uh, sprinkles Sprinkle. of pepper, little sprinkles <laughs> of pepper in the in the in the milk. Or flies in the flies in the milk bowl has just such a negative connotation. So pepper into the into the cream sauce. Oh, we'll put sprinkles so. in the ice cream. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, you're making like yeah, a well, well, couple a couple of sprinkles in there. So it was good to been connecting with different folks. Is and it's interesting. And I'm curious on if this was sort of sort of been your experience with those connections. It's interesting that like even though like pretty much everyone I connected with worked in a different area of the business, whether it was like somebody from legal, somebody from a manufacturing site, somebody like yourself sort of in the creative space. Um, one of the uh, not the flavors what's the other one for the fragrance side. Oh, oh uh, perfumist. Yes, thank you. One of one's a perfumist. It, I was like, I can see it. Um, yeah, all these different like aspects that go into our organization, but we sort of still had the same or similar experiences with stuff. Yeah, it's that which is the common thread, which is crazy. Um, yeah, like I feel like people always like in my experience too, and I don't want to like I don't know if it's okay to go. Go no, there. no. This <laughs> tangents. We just do this. It's an independent con- <laughs> podcast. We do what we want when we want. So okay, so we're good. Shackles. Yeah, we good. <laughs> the shackles is off. We just. That's why we say our company. We don't name the companies on this show. So with that, we stay employed. Um, and all yes. the things. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's bad, um, bad, but, and- but you know. <laughs> yeah, we won't get too bad. No, we have a job feeds <laughs> our family um exactly i appreciate it i'm grateful no but one of the things though like it's a common thread and one of the like throughout my career like working in co- corporate like after graduating um and before i even started talking to people about about stuff um like at first you think that you're the only person going through it. But once I started being vocal about the experiences that I was having, it was like, it was echoing everywhere. Like, oh, this happened to me. Oh, this has happened to me. And it's like, not even in like 
and even the food business, like when you go to other businesses, it was people who were in insurance, it was people who was in um, like every aspect of like in retail and like anything that had to do that was connected in hospitality, anything connected to a corporation, they've had similar issues or similar struggles or similar um, experiences, even if it wasn't issues, like, like some people don't see it as issues. Um, but they had similar experiences. And it's like, you go and you talk to people and you're like, I can't believe how common this experience is. Like the black experience is very common um, in corporate, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it definitely is. Before we get that, well, I'm going to put a pin in that. because I think we're going to come back to that when we get into the later part. But so you talk about, you know, being a food applications technician, I think, and I was, I raised my hand on this, is that I never realized, this is the same when I started, even in my previous role where we did a lot with laundry addition enzymes, I never realized how much effort and science goes into a lot of the things we just either use or consume every day, right? Mm -hmm. So in the, in the site that I was at, there are, it's a research and development or R&D site developing enzymes that go into your laundry and dish detergent. It's the main products. They have other places that go into like milk products, dairy products to kind of change, you know, help to improve the smoothness and all this kind of stuff. And then now with our new organization, it's the other side of some of the same coin of, okay, so you have the same um, food product. You might still be doing something with dairy products, but on y'all side of like how, the taste is of like the flavor they're looking for. If they're looking for like a jalapeno uh, cheddar cheese flavor, right? Like your favorite cookie, uh, you know, chip maker or something. It's like, or, mm-hmm. you know, in your case, because you're dealing with sweet stuff, you're like, no idea that, you know, the cookie that you enjoy is like, oh, this new salted caramel flavor. Exactly. It's not, it's like, oh, they do the caramel and the salt and bam, it's easy, right? It's just, you know, some chef, <laughs> just magic. I visualize some chef, it's just like, da, 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 da. there it is, boom, done, yeah. right? Easy peasy. But there's so much into it. So yeah, talk about how you got into the, the food science world. Yeah, so I kind of stumbled upon it and it's so crazy that it didn't connect. But this is where it's like, I just say God just does things like it's, it just kind of connected. Um, so I went to school for chemistry. Um, I always, always like science and math. Um, so in high school, um, I was really drawn to chemistry because it was like so many things that you can do um, with it. It was like, oh, I want to be a doctor. But if it doesn't work out, I can do all of these things. It's like a big Million things you can do as a chemist. So I'm like, ah, I can. I need like 20 backup plans. That's just the way I am. <laughs> um, and luckily, I did. So uh, I went to school. I majored in chemistry, and it was a long road within school, and, and like a lot of stops and a lot of here, there, and everywhere. Uh, but eventually, I finished. And when I finished school, it was not really a lot of employment opportunities. And it's funny because I said to myself, like, if, if I don't find a job, I'm going to culinary school. <laughs> it's like, this is something I want to do. I was like, I just got this degree. It took me forever to get it. I'm stressed out. But you know what? If I don't find a job, I'm going to do something that I, uh, that I like. And I remember going to, um, I went to interview 
uh, at this uh, uh, tip agency. And I was talking to the lady and she was like, after the interview, she was like, you know, I'm so sorry. I was like, unfortunately, we don't have any chemist positions available. Um, she was like, but, you know, I, I want you to talk to my manager or whatever. So her manager comes in and he's talking to me and he's like, oh, well, like we have like a, a good back and forth dialogue. And then he said, oh, Zanetta, do you like to cook? And I was like, oh yeah, of course I like to cook. And he's like, oh, I like to bake. And he was asking me all these questions. And he was like, I feel like your personality would fit with this, this the company I ended up interviewing for. Um, and he was like, I, it's like a group of women and it's one guy, <laughs> but I feel like you'll fit very well. It's a, a food company, a food ingredient company. Um, and it's, uh, you know, so you'll, would you mind going? He's like, it's out of your, you know, it's not, chemistry but do you mind um would you like to go on the interview so I'm like oh of course I want to go on this interview because <laughs> like if it's something dealing with food I'm interested already but right. um I also need a job I have like, I need a, a job <laughs> this is not like would you like I, to go listen. pick up poop no 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 I mean food okay I like it we eat it yeah like if y'all they gonna pay I mean I'll try <laughs> like I'm going on any interview like whatever you say I'm going so I did go and uh, I met with the lady and I thought it was a really cool interview. And one of the things, um, one of the, the ladies who I'm very close with now, she actually, um, it was for her maternity leave and she was going out on maternity. They needed someone to be a temp for like three months. And uh, it was so, um, I had the interview and we, it was, it felt, it felt real good. Like I felt really comfortable leaving the interview and um, and then I, I waited for it. And then eventually I did get the position. So I was like a, a technician and it wasn't anything like, uh, it wasn't like this whole job that I thought was gonna be like, oh, this is so great. Like I'm doing so much. Initially I was just like filling cups, cutting cheese, <laughs> like just doing a whole bunch of like, you were doing like a food service so I'm like I was a waitress I'm like this is, this is easy peasy um, <laughs> I'm like it feels like that but you know I'll do it's less drama um so I ended up doing that and um because I had so much interest and in, like everything else it would be like I'm just asking for more like oh I can do more than this I don't have to just fill cups like you know so I was in I was in the sensory department so I would ask them about what they were working on and I would get insights about, you know, how they were, um, how they were uh, uh, testing like textures and how they looked at food differently. And then I would participate whenever they needed help with the studies. And, and then I would start writing stuff if they needed stuff. So in my time that I was there, I was really trying to maximize on um, my 10th experience. Cause I'm like, I wasn't getting a job. I don't have any experience. I'm like, I wasted my money on getting this degree. <laughs> um, so it grew from there. And when eventually when my friend came back, well, she's my friend now, but eventually when she came back, um, when my position was supposed to be over, they, um, extended me, um, to try to see like, and it was very generous. So they tried to see if I can find a position and the person who was my manager actually uh, made an announcement like if you need um anybody uh <laughs> like if you guys have any open positions that you need somebody this is an excellent person to work with and pretty much like the next day 
um, HR was coming to me to speak to me like, oh, well, they have a position open in this technical service and blah, blah, blah. And it was another 10 position, but um, they were like, if you want to do it, we can interview or whatever. And I pretty much stopped one temp position on a Friday and started the other one on Monday. And then the rest was history where I was working in a technical department um, of the company, the company I formerly worked for. No, that's really, that's really cool. It's funny how like, you know, sometimes <laughs> you plan for certain things and you like kind of have a vision of what you'll do or, or what, you know, okay. Especially if you go to college or whatever, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to do X. And then you get out and you like end up not doing X. You end up doing something completely different. Like that was for me, exactly. like I, my undergrad experience was sort of the same. I, I went to school for, for biology, same idea. I wanted to go to medical school and I got out of, uh, of undergrad and I was like, ah, the GPA ain't like, like med school ready. <laughs> like I don't even need to. I don't even need to front, like, let's not even pretend, like, let's not waste exactly. the application <laughs> fee, like the GPA ain't ready. So talking to other doctors, I um, was asking, you know, what should I do? Because I know I need to get my GPA together before, like, applying to medical school. And they were like, you should go and get a master's in something. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, master's in biology. I was like, I don't really like the lab, like talking about it. Like I've spent, I spent one summer, my mom was getting her PhD. And so I spent a summer in her lab doing like cleaning bottles and, you know, prepping like media and, you know, taking stuff out of the autoclave. And I was like, I do not want to be at a lab bench. Uh, It's just not for me. It's just not, it's not, it's not for me. It's not bad, you know. Yeah, yeah, I could do I it if I needed to, someday. but it's just, it's just the Lord said no, and I said <laughs> we agree. Uh, <laughs> like, as long as you answer to him, he knows more than you know. <laughs> he know, he knows. So I mean, I end up tossing the idea of master biology, but it's like, well, what do I do with that? Even like, if med school doesn't work out, what do you do with the master's in biology? I mean, I'm sure there are things you'd have to. In my mind, you'd have to probably get a PhD instead to really do do something and I'm like I don't know about that especially because my <laughs> mind is still like I still want to go to medical school so I'm like I'm gonna have you know hundred thousand dollars worth of debt I don't need like a PhD and then go get this other hundred I mean people do it do do your path do whatever um but I ended up down the path of public health because other other people were talking about like oh an MPH because then that's often a lot of people do MD, MPH as, as a program just in general. So I was like, okay, I'll go get the master's in public health and, um, and do that. And I went to LSU because uh, I'm from Louisiana and in-state tuition yeah. was way cheaper. Like now there's two like schools of public health in, in, that are in New Orleans, right? There's LSU has their school of public health and then Tulane has theirs. Tulane's was $30,000. And I said, no. <laughs> For a two-year degree, I'm like, no, six grand down the street. I was like, six thousand, we could do that. I could swing that. That's doable, much more doable. So, and then I got in there, and I was, um, they have like different concentrations. You can do straight epidemiology, you can do biostatistics, you can do health systems, 
administration or you can do environmental and occupational and the environmental occupational stuff because I'm always like you science I've always liked science math mm-hmm. not so much but science <laughs> I really liked and this was like even more sciencey in the public health world so it was like you got everyone got a basic epidemiology so you totally understand those kind of things and I suffered and made it through a biostatistics class by prayer and friends <laughs> and just, I'm a, not a math person, but yeah, the environmental and occupational stuff was really cool and got into like, in between my first and second year, I realized I didn't want to go to medical school anymore. I was like, I don't want to be in school for another four years. And then mm-hmm. another three, four, four or five years of residency and still not making not that money is a driver, but at the same time, it's like, I'm just, my brain was like, I don't want to be in school. Seriously? I don't want to be in school anymore. And then I also was like, I, my whole point of wanting to go to medical school is to help people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can help people doing public health stuff, doing, you know, this, mm-hmm. and I got even drawn to it specifically like industrial hygiene or occupational hygiene side of stuff. So, I mean, and then that was all she wrote. So I finished grad school, um, did an internship actually did an internship. I had already graduated, but I got an internship with a big oil and gas company. And I was like, you know, they're doing the final, in- good internship, learned a lot. Yeah, 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 doing final intern presentations. And I remember I stood in the middle of like this, like bigger, <laughs> not auditorium, but like a bigger conference room where they had like kind of everybody, kind of the different team leads and a couple of others from our department. And I was like, I am looking for a job. I am done with school. I don't have a class to go back to, so please hire me. I know that. Like the end, end of my, I was just like, I'm gonna be 100 with it because uh, want to have a job, don't want to be unemployed. So it worked out, and you know, it was a great experience, and got into the, the world of health and safety and all this kind of stuff. So it's been it's been a wild ride, but yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, it just yeah. happens. Sometimes you just kind of roll with what life life gives you I don't know why I'm getting a weather alert sorry <laughs> no it's okay I was just like did I lose you oh no I was like I'm plugged in I know it's, my power is working what now is going on? yeah All but good. even just what you just said too like it's so many times like where like like most kids and I think in the black community most kids when you want to do something where you're helping others you always have the desire to be a doctor and like people don't realize how many like we're it's so many like we don't have it's so much limited exposure that we don't realize that we can do more and I think that was the thing too I had that realization like I want to help people but I didn't see any other way to help anybody other than being a nurse or a doctor so like you know you see people who are sick and then you're like oh I can do this and I can do that but you don't realize in how many ways you can help people um like doing different things and it's just like you don't really have to just help sick people you can help well people you can help like (laughs) like you can make food you can do this you can like you can do anything and and still help people and I think that that's where we we need to become like we have to be more vocal about what we do so you can so people can see like you don't have to be selfish to want to do something different but then you also like like you like you know you can be in pursuit of your own goals, but if you also want to help people too, there's plenty of things that you have to do other than being a preacher and a, a, a doctor. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I've tried to be a 
starting doing a lot more, you know, career counseling, you know, career day stuff. Like I'm actually, I don't know the dates yet, but they're supposed to be doing a career day back at my high school. And I, I still don't know what I'm going to talk about exactly. Like, I don't know. I got into, I mean, it's just like science, math, like, don't be afraid to go into those. It's an all girls yeah. Catholic school that I went to for high school. So it's like, don't hesitate, like take, you know, really focus in school, do your best. Um, and that there's a whole wide breadth of different things that are out yeah. there beside in that are still, if you like science, it's more than just at the lab bench. Not that there's any wrong, but there's the lab bench that's out there. There's stuff like we do food, science, health, safety, all kinds of different things that you just don't even, that I didn't really know about. I, and I, I don't know if it's a, it's exactly. a mixture of the black community. And the other thing is that when you go to the store and buy ice cream, they don't say like, <laughs> this is what it took to make it. These are all the science <laughs> that goes into it. You just are like, I get it and do whatever. And it's not like you want, you know, there's not as vocal unless you're looking for that specific lane, like you're looking into, yeah. I want to learn about how food is made, then you might stumble across food science, or you kind of have to shift your focus. But I think with people like you, yourself and myself, like being out there in the communities, and even in situations where you're like at church, and they got, you know, younger kids, or they have, like mm-hmm. a, you know, whether it's Black History Month, or a, a career event, or college event, it's like, hey, whether whatever school not that you even have to go to college to to do a lot of work like that's that's the other thing I'm also an advocate for even though you know I got two degrees and it's whatever but trust and believe let me tell you what (laughs) if my if my children decide I don't have no kids yet let me tell you what if you don't want to go to college that's fine but what you will do is go to trade school because let me tell you who will make bank Bruh, let me tell you who will make bank pandemic or otherwise. Electricians. Electricians. Plumbers. plumbers, Welders. I don't care what the whole world can blow down. Even that's even not even better. We don't want, you know, global pandemics or like the whole world falling. But imagine you have, you know, construction industry. Yep. Stay booming. Because what happened? If they're not building new houses, people are like, oh, I'm going to renovate mine because the market's so crazy. Okay. Oh, no. A hurricane. I'm from New Orleans. A hurricane happened. Oh, no. Now you need plumbing, electrician, roofing, whatever. It's not going to be like easy work in the physical sense, but it. Yeah. Your plumbing go out. Who you calling? It's so crazy because my friends, so like, you know, everybody is at the age where like people have houses and stuff. I don't have one yet, but like, and we're going to believe God houses. for that. we just going to touch and agree <laughs> that the yes. house is coming. <laughs> but like everybody, when you look at it, you can't call a peer to say like, oh, can you do X, Y, and Z? Like, can I hire you as my electrician? Can I hire you as my plumber? Can I hire you as my contractor? We don't have that. And it's like, it's so crazy because it was so glorified for people to get um, a certain type of education or to be able to go to college that a lot of the trades went out the window. So you have a whole generation that don't know how to do anything. Like you can't lay any pipes. <laughs> like you can't, you can't do nothing. You can't put up no wall. Half the people can't paint. You can't put two wires together. And I'm like, it's so crazy. Like within my generation and like having a grandfather who was a contractor and I'm like, 
he didn't have any formal education. Like he stopped going to school in second grade because they had to work and stuff. Cause he's from, he's from the, we're from the, they're from North Carolina. And like, just understanding how like he was able to build himself up. And, and then he was like putting houses together and all this other stuff. But when he died, it's nobody after that. <laughs> like everybody got different jobs and then everybody in pursuit of the American dream, you kind of threw the trades out and you're like, oh, these are not glorified anymore. So now everybody is pushing in one direction and they're like, oh, go to school. And then people don't even care that you're going to school for whatever type of degree, if it has a job for you. So like you're going to school, wasting all of this money and then you get a job that probably has nothing to do with your degree because you can't find anything. And it's just like, for what? Like, you could have did a trade. You could have you had these skills that even if you don't use them, like, if you don't get a job, you know how much money you save by doing your own plumbing? <laughs> well, just even like you, you can you can just more easily, I think, and I think it's different stuff for different folks. I'm not knocking, you know, we two, we two folks who went to school and working exactly. in some field, whether it's exactly related to what we originally went to school for or whatever. But yeah, I think I, I'm a hundred, like if my kids, my parents actually never made it like you're going to college. They were more like, mm-hmm. okay, there you, whatever you want to do. First thing was whatever you want to do, you're going to be the best at it. Like you're just going to yeah. like, they were very driven. Um, for me, it was an automatic in some ways because I'm blessed in that both of my parents went to school. My mom even went back, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, that my mom went back to get her PhD when she when like I was in high school. Um, and we actually, funnily enough, because um, I think she started my junior or senior year. Um, I think it was my senior year. We finished at the same the same year I graduated from grad school. We graduated a day apart from each other. Oh, nice. so yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy for real. Um, but yeah, so education was very important in our, in our family, but I think there's definitely so much in our generation. I think it's starting, they're starting to see some more folks moving towards the trades in some communities, yeah. which I think is everything. Cause one of, um, I think it's Christian's cousin is now either a full out electrician or like kind of studying and being a, like apprentice and in, in being an electrician. I'm like, see, but this is the way, cause then you could easily translate that into your own business, right? Like yeah. I'm going to, you know, you get all the certifications and all the things you need to be like, I am a full out journeyman electrician, all this kind of stuff. You can do your own thing. You can, exactly. you can just be like, I'm an electrician and then be like, Oh, and then that's where the community, you mentioned your village raising your daughter, that village yeah. mindset. That's how like with the house we're moving to back in New Orleans, it's like, oh, my my dad's my dad's father-in-law. So it'd be like a, my step-grandfather, he does construction <laughs> stuff. So it's like, oh, I'm going to reach out to that person because they're, they're known for doing good work too. Why not keep it in the same community and somebody yeah. who's trusted and has some vested interest in in what they're going to do and they're going to put their name behind and not just rando contractor number 237 who's just like man whether they're good you don't know until it's exactly. too late that they're, they're a crappy contractor or something so and i think that that's what makes like i think that's the piece that's missing so like with all of this 
culture growing where you want to support black business you also have to see like it's certain things like like are you meeting the need and what like if i decided to only purchase or only you, you know function within my community there are so many gaps now because people have funneled in only specific areas like so if i don't need certain goods to purchase then like where are the electricians where are the plumbers where are the people who can who are you know raw ingredients and and doing x y and z who are welding who are like like who's making furniture who's like who's who has the connections if i wanted to start a business who's banking who's like it's all of these pieces that i think that has to um like it has to come together because without it all like it really can't like you really don't ever become a full functioning community again because we're not able to like we're pretty much handicapped and i feel like we're more reliant on others because it's like so many pockets and gaps in our communities nowadays like like even in if, even if we were going back to like the food like in food science one of the big things that i noticed when i was working so we would visit customers and i would go to these customer visits and like you're visiting all of these these major food companies like you're like oh these this is stuff I buy out of the grocery store. I get this is my ice cream, this is my yogurt, this is my, you know, my potato chips, this is this, that, and the other. And I go into these places and no one in there is black. And you can go in your community and you see this stuff all the time. You have the biggest advocates for them. And it's not one person working on the project. It's not one person who's doing flavor. It's not one person who's doing the texture. It's not one person who's supplying the ingredients is not one person like so you're like it's a huge huge problem because like we're really not supplying anything and it's just like what happened it's like yeah yes yes (laughs) it's like so crazy when you start to look at it like ah i just kind of it's like i feel like if somebody decided to shut off everything Thing. I don't know. <laughs> like this pandemic had me a little anxious. I'm like, oh, what can my people do that's close to me? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing too, is it's so especially the US. I don't, you know, I've only lived in one other country and that was Canada. And the part of Canada I lived in was very few black people um there too. But it's so regionalized as far as how that how that community is formed or is not, right? So like in in New Orleans, which is a, or like in some cities that are predominantly black, where you have like New Orleans, you have Atlanta, you have places like that, then you do see a lot more of those, Mm -hmm. the different um, veins of society, whether it be electricians or plumbers or furniture makers or musicians or teachers or this, this and that, you see a lot more of that banking, like there's a black bank, Liberty Bank, um, I think they have other, I don't know where they're located. I know they're definitely in New Orleans and in the, in the South, but I don't know if they're like all over the place, right? So then if you live in a region where that's it, then so maybe you can kind of further feed that community. But it's mm-hmm. just, it's, but if you don't, like in the Northeast, I don't know of you know, anything You don't see way. it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it's one of those things. Like, and that's why, I think that's why people are also moving like besides the fact that the cost of living is going crazy but I think a lot of people are moving back south because they're losing those connections 
Um, and then you don't like, I, I think people are starting to feel very detached. Um, even with the wave of everything being like, you know, it's like popular now. And you went through a few waves in history where it's like, oh, being black is elevated. And like with all of that raising to the surface, rising to the surface, like a lot of people are still like in a, a state of discomfort. And like, I feel like that's why people are migrating back to the South, whereas before it was like everybody was coming North. And, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's very interesting, the dynamics of of the pandemic and the moving, because I think there's pluses and minuses, there's sort of silver linings that have existed because of the, in this post-pandemic sort of world that we're in, um, moving to a more endemic phase. But this idea, like we were talking earlier before we started recording, that like the ability to do things, though we've had these tools for a period of time of doing things virtually through Zoom, Teams, you know, insert video conferencing to Google Meet, FaceTime, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Um, the ability to do that in a way that that is more, you're still proven to be just as effective and can do those, have that flexibility now, allows people to step back and say, especially if you live in high cost regions like the Northeast or... Mm-hmm. Bay Area, and you're like, so (laughs) not everybody's job, but some roles. So you do have the that's the one flip side of the non trade stuff where, like, I don't, I can do some of what I do somewhere else, right? Like, Mm -hmm. at a certain certain level and a certain type and vein. You're like, why? I do not want to live where it is this (laughs) expensive. And especially not being from there. Now, for you, like, with your from there, you have this large community there. I get why, like, I think it would be, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, it would be a heavy push to move you out of, like, the New Jersey region. Um, yes. It would be, like, big, 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 big dollars. <laughs> like, everybody would have to go with me, too. Like Yeah, and, like, like oh. yeah, you'd be like, moms, I can take care of you. Like, you can move in. We'll put you in the guest house. Like, we're going to open it up. Like, the community is coming. Y'all gonna exactly. be on the team, like, then that like, would be it. And then at that point, then I'm coming to work for you. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Because I feel like Come you on. need a health and safety person <laughs> to manage the team so we make sure nobody get hurt. So, exactly. but yeah, so yeah. Yeah. yeah I think like, uh, <laughs> we're getting some of the reverse great migration going on for Black folks. And we're just yeah. tired. And I, I think people are getting burnt out as black people in parts of, in some parts of the country, especially if you're not mm-hmm. from there, you're like, yeah. okay, I'm not from here. All my family's somewhere else. There, there aren't many black people around here, especially in certain circles that you're going to go around. Like, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. in the service industry, maybe it, no, no dig on the service industry, but it's like, it's different being in these rooms and it gets to be, onerous sometimes and I'm still it's this balance of it. it's onerous of being the only person in the room but at the same time at least I'm in the room and can bring somebody else yeah. in the room. so it's like that balance but yeah just like for regions that are especially for us cost of living and family are the main like two. get yeah, out go. get out now get out I'm remote done as soon like before I even took this role I talked with my manager and I was like so we're describing we're talking about kind of what what is you know what is this thing we're looking to add in this role to the new organization 
woo to woo to woo. And I'm listening. My mind is like, hmm. <laughs> and so I legit, before I even officially was in this role and just learning about it, was like, this sounds like a remote position. Are you supportive of that? And he was like, yes. I said, done. <laughs> Plan activated. Like, let's go. Again, I just, yeah. So it's just, it's a whole thing. I think that's the whole thing, like burning out. One of the things I feel like, and it's so crazy that it's happening now, but I feel like I've been on this this journey for like the last like five years where I've, I was burning out. And I think one of the things was like, you have this idea that things have changed and you see how much they have not changed. And I think it creates this, like, it creates, like, I can't even explain it. It's like so much confusion in your mind. Like, like I was not expecting to fight some of the battles that I was fighting in the 2014, 15, 16, 17. Like, I didn't expect this stuff to be happening just because, you know, you see things changing and you see how the image changed. You think about how things changed throughout the 90s and where it was like a big boost in, in entertainment where you were seeing Black faces. And um, and then like, you know, you had this whole idea like, oh, I can, anything can, I can do anything. Like everything can can happen. And, you know, you just thought doors were open. Once doors are open, you just don't bust them down. Like it was just, and then you walk in and you get to these spaces and you're like, hold up something is not right this is not what they told me this is not what I thought it was gonna be how come I'm the only one and it hasn't been one before me since how long and then you know why did this person leave and like you know why can't anybody stay and it's just like you start to dig and you start to see stuff and when you start to you know and then like everybody's story is different but I feel like you start to see stuff and it's just like you don't really it's really hard to like understand how you respond to things sometimes because it's like, okay, we're not in this era, but how do I respond to it today? Because it's not, it's not outright. Like, it's not like you're just a bigot and I can respond however I want to, but it's just like, you start to see like all of these systems in place that are still barriers that are there. Um, and they're, they're hidden barriers. Like they're like, oh, well you think, that you can do this and you think you can do that and then all of a sudden you're like hitting all of these invisible barriers that you thought should have been gone and you see how the scales are unbalanced and it's just like I can't like I don't even know how to navigate this space and like nobody is talking about it like and I'm like thankful for this moment that people are now becoming more vocal about things but it's just like this is very new like the last three years two years really like where it has become more heightened again but I'm like nobody was talking about it like what was going on in corporate nobody people were just leaving you just had people who were just walking out and it's just like so now when you're in these spaces it's like I don't know what to do but I also don't know what to say to anybody because then I feel like I'm weak because I can't handle these things so do I just walk away too and it's just like now like what do you do like and I think it's really causing a lot of anxiety and, and depression and people because it's just like I I should be able to say that I'm okay but I'm not <laughs> yeah and that's the whole thing to be <clears throat> it takes a lot of um strength to say that you're not okay and to really raise the flag on stuff and I remember one thing and it wasn't I think it was less uh, a black white thing it was more the they grew up with this like 
came up through this old, the old organization, this kind of old mm-hmm. thing and, and being a, being a woman themselves, this was a woman, another woman. Um, but I think because they had to go through a bunch of shit, they felt the need to then give people, give other women a bunch of shit. I think in mm-hmm. the, in the, I think in their mind, this per- and it was an episode that I had with this person, I think in their mind, they thought they were like mentoring and like, you got to go through like, like as if I'm, I've never pledged an organization, but as if I'm pledging, exactly. right? Like I had to go through this. So you too should go like, I, I just don't do well. It was, I remember it specifically. Um, and they're no longer, they, before we even merged as part of, you know, our larger company, they were already gone, retired, retired. Um, uh, not for me, my specific incidents, they ran into their own HR incidents with some other employees. So if you, mm-hmm. you got other issues anyway, it was this, it was a situation where we were managing an incident. We hadn't quite for our site, we had had a few incidents, um, of people reporting issues late, um, as far as like it, you know, discomfort late. So it got to the point of requiring medical treatment, kind of ergonomic stuff. And we probably could have done a better job of case management for this specific instance. And I knew we had missed the mark and me and my specialist knew we had missed the mark. So it was like, you know, we could have done a little bit better, but let's go ahead and get this conference call real quick with this lady and this other lady who backstory unbeknownst to me and but you could tell during the call they had chatted about stuff so they sort of came in there coming in hot and kind of tag teaming us and it was just very aggressive to be like we're on a work call and it just was like I don't understand why you haven't done (laughs) and just reading the riot act and I'm on speakerphone in my office with my direct report and just getting lit in and both of them was like oh yeah because so-and-so and and I talked about that this these other two that are on the call I was like oh so we're just we're just tag teaming today and it was just a lot and it was already like I was tired I was already new like and I'm a perfectionist like to the 10,000th degree I'm like super micro organized you know you know like I mentioned about my dad saying like you're going to be the best I've just always wired to do exceptionally well so like when I don't miss the mark I'm already I'm my worst critics I'm already we're already there. Mm-hmm. Your goal is, and this is not even like my supervisor. This is someone who's sort of dotted line functional. Your goal is, should be to support sites and help them when they're struggling with something, not beat them down. I just remember I got off that call and I just was like, started to try and go and like, go do the rest of my job and walk back into my office. And it was just like, because <laughs> I just, and it was just a tone and it was just so unnecessarily aggressive and rude for what we're talking about and where we are at the workplace and at first my first line and this is how this is where you know you're black you're like I'm gonna walk off this job you're like what these bills (laughs) (laughs) like I'm gonna leave today I do not need this (laughs) I don't need this yes you do you don't need those people job like uh I don't need these people yeah the the bills though but the rent though oh like oh okay it's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. It's like, okay, don't do that. Can't do that. Okay. okay, not okay. About to keep on, <laughs> no, but what happened is I ended up, was like, I, after I had my little moment in my office, I went up and I went and talked because I talk with HR all the time because it's health and safety and HR, they start to, there's situations where they overlap if somebody's coming off a leave or something like that. And what can they do and reasonable accommodations or whatever. So I really knew our HR person very well. And I was like, I got to tell you, 
I look, it's like, can we have a conversation? And I said, so this just happened and gave her the rundown. And I said, I just want to let you know that that's not okay behavior. And I just want to, I mean, I didn't do like a formal, like big, like, look, I don't need it to be a big thing, but I'm going to tell you now that's not okay. And so whatever needs to happen for her to know that, oh, and so she was like, and it, this was not a one-off behavior. Like, it wasn't like, well, clearly she had a bad day. She's never like, this is so outside of character. No, no, no. She's a, she's that way. She's one of those people. She was one of those people that was big, bad, and bold on emails and conference calls. But then you mm-hmm. get him and she's like, oh, I'm just trying to help. And this old pussycat <laughs> stuff. And you're like, I was just like, and it's I not okay. It. Yeah. Those are the worst, the worst. So it ended up getting <clears throat> to her supervisor. She ended up trying to call me. I was like, I'm not going to talk to her. I'm just not, I'm not doing it. And so she ended up having, she ended up, I don't know if that was the only reason she was coming out here, but she had to fly cross country and she came and apologized to me. And I was like, we got to, we, we had a conversation. I was like, I'm going to tell you that that form of communication doesn't work for me. And I don't like, I give me the opportunity to make a correction before you just let light into somebody. So we got mm-hmm. to a level set under, understanding. But like I said, she ended up having another HR, official HR case with somebody else. And I was like, my my supervisor was like, I'm not supposed to ask, was that you? But was that you? <laughs> I was like, mm, me. my thing was done. I got my apology. Shank, shank, jump quick. I think she probably, you know, you can pull that stuff, but this is where the blackness comes in. She's like, you can pull that with some folks. Uh, no. Not You're not going to jump bad with me. Uh, well, that's, it's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, like, I didn't cuss you out. I didn't lose my cool. I was just like, I'm going to tell you, that's not okay. So, And that's what I think people, that's one of the things, like respect goes a long way. Like, And I feel like people, and we're in a workplace, we're all working adults. I don't care what level you are, but you have to respect me. And I'm like, that's one thing that I just, like, I can't tolerate it. And I'm like, you're not going to keep on disrespecting me. You're not going to keep on coming. Um, like, even saying stuff in my presence that I don't approve of, like, is disrespecting me. So you're going to have to nip that in the butt. And like, and I, at first, I was like, because I'm, and I think it, I have definitely grown in that space. And I'm like, I have to really give honor to God for it because I've been put in some uncomfortable situations and me being timid and of being like afraid of everything or afraid of confrontation and just running away from stuff um, wasn't helping me. So like being in, in settings where like, like I remember when I first started, like I start, they told me that I used to have to go out. You used to have to go out um, to like these dinners and it's like, oh, if you don't go out to the happy hours, then people don't know you, then, you know, that's how it gets in the way of your promotion. Forget the fact that I'm like working like 20 times as hard as everybody else. And I'm helping everybody on their projects, this, this, that, and other. And like, you know, like the money that's coming in, like, forget all of that. It's like, oh, this is the advice I'm getting. You go to happy hour. That's how you, <laughs> that's how you get on, on the, the good side. And like one of the happy hours, it was a comment about, uh, about Newark. And it was um, like pretty much somebody was was moving. Like it, I remember it being something I can't remember exactly what it was the first time, but it rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm like, well, people know where I'm from. Like if you're in management, you like you kind of know. Like you, you talked about it. Like I, I like people know where I'm from. And like 
even if we were having conversations about my commute, like people knew. And it was, it came up one time and the second time it came up and uh, like, it was about someone who was, who was moving to the area. And I was saying like, we were talking about property taxes and um, like, you know, New Jersey taxes are like ridiculous. Like, you know, like if you're coming from Arizona, it's not the same. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) the guy said, he's like, Oh, you're listening. It was me and another girl who was talking. And he said, Oh, you're listening to some, something. It's like, he's from Newark or something. Like, pretty much completely, like, pretty much you don't have to listen to her because she's from Newark. Like, they don't, they don't know. <laughs> it's like, okay. So it was just like at that moment, and I, I felt so crazy because it was like a blow. And instead of me like taking it like, oh, well, forget him or whatever. It was just like, I took it as a super insult. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like people are like, if somebody's coming, like I'm ashamed of where I'm from. And instead of me being like, you know, that was disrespectful. Like I didn't, I was just so embarrassed and I didn't defend myself. And as I grew, like, and I was like, oh, I'm, I don't really have to go to happy hours. So I would stop going to happy hours because then I felt insulted and it's just like little stuff would happen where he would talk about women and like you know it wasn't comfortable for me for me to uh just be around it and like laugh for me to get wherever um but it was just like at some point it was just like they started to see because I was like I can't take this anymore like in in my mind because I was just getting so stressed out and I'm like I I shouldn't feel uncomfortable about where I'm from I shouldn't feel uncomfortable about who I am and then like even in the height of things with Black Lives Matter like I had to start like checking people like and it's just like I'm and everybody was like so shocked like when it was because I was really just like this happy black girl doing whatever I do. I work with everybody. Nobody's used to me saying no. Nobody's used to me saying anything. But I was like, I can't be in a space where I'm walked over. Like one of the things like you can't, like I don't care how low I am. I don't care my position. You're not going to keep on. Like you're not going to feel comfortable disrespecting me. And it was just like one thing after the next. I remember them saying something about um, uh, because I stopped doing extra work because when it came time for me to get a promotion, um, it was really like a lot of pushback. And I'm like, every year I was outperforming and I would have to write an additional write-up to say what I did extra, find out nobody else was doing that. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. So I'm like, and then when everybody on my team got promoted and then I didn't get promoted and I felt like they were playing a game with me, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything more than what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm giving too much away for free. And I remember some, my manager, well, she was my former manager at the time. She was like, oh, I feel like you're, um, she was like, oh, you're not motivated anymore. And at that moment, I like checked her, like it just came out. It was like, first of all, um, I'm not demotivated. Like I'm not, like I'm still motivated, but I'm only motivated to do my job and nothing more. Like, like at this point, like you're getting off, like, how do you feel like comfortable coming to me and saying like, you're not motivated. And then it was like something where I had to check someone else when um, it was like two, two of my peers they were talking about, like the, the girl comes in, she's like, oh, I'm so sick of this Black Lives Matter stuff. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and like the way I turned my seat around, like, whoa, hey, uh, 
saying? Like, and I'm like, we had a really good relationship, but it's just like, you feel comfortable. You walked in here and you thought that it was okay to say something in my presence as if it didn't affect me. You thought that I wasn't going to check you. And then it just kept on being like all of these situations where I had to like stand up for myself because I felt like I was going to get buried if I allow people to disrespect me. And then things just started to open up. Like even with me going to talk to the director, because it was just like so many barriers in the way he would keep on doing stuff. That's the one who made the comment about Newark. And I'm like, he would do a lot of little things that would try to get under my skin. And I remember before I, um, before I left and I had a conversation with him and he was like, well, is it anybody you have a problem with? Is it the reason why you're leaving? I was like, well, I don't have any problem with anybody, but, but you, (laughs) (laughs) he wasn't ready for that. And I'm saying it like this is how I talk. Like I'm talking with a smile, so it throws people off a little bit. Like I don't have a problem with anybody but you, but because this is what you said, and I've been keeping track of what you said to me. Like you said that I wasn't good enough because of X, Y, and Z. Now you're coming to me to ask me why I'm leaving the company, and uh, like as if you don't know. And I'm like, it's been so many times where I, you know, you just if you don't speak up for yourself. Like they, you begin to to lose value, and that's where I felt like I was like getting to the point where people felt like they could come and be disrespectful in front of me, or you can say whatever you wanted to say in front of me, or you feel like you can you can give me whatever you want to give me, and I'm like, no, like I'm sorry, like I don't know where my kindness got confused with like being a doormat, but you're not gonna disrespect me, and I think that that changed the whole aura and like the whole trajectory of my career because I'm like I just I just can't like I'm not going to compromise on how I how I am to you know make you feel comfortable doing whatever you're doing to me and I'm like I don't think people understand how valuable respect is like you can do a good job and you can also be authoritative without disrespecting people you can encourage people to do a better job you can also tell people they didn't do a good job um, and hold people accountable, being respectful at the same time. But you're not going to come in here and talk to me any kind of way. You're not going <laughs> to like do whatever you want to do. Like, no. <laughs> no, absolutely. <clears throat> For sure. Unfortunately, I totally understand. <laughs> I was just, who was I talking Ooh. with? Oh, I think I think I was talking with somebody last night at dinner. This couple that we went out, and that same sort of idea of especially when there are more than one of us, it's like, you, you, you don't know this, but we do talk. We do, <laughs> and not in a, like, catty way, in a, they talk to me about this. Did they come to you for this? Because, like, mm-hmm. I ran into this situation of, at, there's probably, like, you know, on the site when I was working there, it was, like, you know, we had 200 people. There's only, like, five to seven people that really work my life. Everyone else, cool, copacetic, love what you do. Whoop do woo woo, all good. They have their little whatever's things that come up, but overall, not an issue. But there's a handful of folks that they like don't get the answer they want. So they'll try and go to somebody else and ask the same mm-hmm. sort of question in a different way with it. And I was just like, I remember <laughs> it was some project team wanting to do X. And I was like, we can't do this because of this, this, and this. Um, and then they came and this person working in the regulatory group wanted to come to 
came to the operations person sort of in the same, who used to do the food grade stuff and was like, came at it from the same, trying to get to the same answer. And then me and the office manager, who was a black woman, we had, we would have these like walking meetings and stuff. He was like, did so-and-so <laughs> come to you with this? I said, yes. I told her, she, she's like, so-and-so just came to me with talking about X, Y, and Z. And I said, but I told her we can't, the, we're not set up for that for our site. Like, That's why they don't like y'all talking to each other. Nope. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, I, I, I thought I, I'm pretty sure I explained that. I was like, I feel like I even pulled out my phone and was like, let me check my email. It's, yeah. I, I said, no, we're not. We, we can't do that. It's like, bro, why are you looking for a different answer? I told you the answer. You don't have to like it. That's and it's always to talk to each other. I like, know. Don't talk I know. To we can't be we can't be aggregating too much. Should be throwing them off. Y'all it's can't just be like, friends. <laughs> that's the thing. It's just like, bro, don't don't ask for like. And my whole thing is, you work in that group in regulatory. You know, you should know this one. So I'm doing your job for you. Two, be big, bad, and bold enough to go back to the project team and say we can't do it this way we're going to have to find another way. It's just not going, we just can't do it. It's just the way this is. And I don't come up in the world of health and say, this isn't just the whims of Monique. This isn't just, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm the kingmaker and I make decisions and bequeath it. So, and that's, you know, I just want to tell you, no, no, these are based on, these are the rules. These, this is what, and I'm a rule follower. Like the permit says we can do X or the permits that we have in place. We can only do those because of the fact that we're not, production so you can't we just can't and the city and the zoning and it's just like do you want to hear the in minutia of it or do you want to just listen to me when I tell you no we cannot because yeah. just follow the directions and I told you no and they throw you under the bus if you, if you oh well I else. talked I just I thought that you know when like, really? nope <laughs> that's why I tell you no <laughs> Like, oh no. Like, look, I'm not being a liability for you to do oh, yeah. whatever you feel like doing. It's like, I'm not going to school. <laughs> oh no. Because a lot of the things, that's the thing with the world of uh, health and safety, a lot of times, at least for our site, a lot of times my name is on these permits. I, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not getting in trouble. <laughs> Which was not going to happen. I done signed my name to something that said I I will do under penalty of law and all this. They're not suing me. They're not throwing me under nobody's bus and I'm not going to jail. So uh, that's a no. And I'll write it to you. There's then documentation. (laughs) I'll tell you no. And if I need to, I'll email you. Be like, as per our discussion. No. (laughs) And this is why. So then if they come with it, like, put the documentation up. Sorry for you. Uh-uh. It is so I'm not sorry for you. I'm just telling you this is what they hired me for. For I mean, if you want to do read permits and read through regulations and read through zoning things and to find out that you can't do something, that's fine. You can do that. Or you can take my word for it. And I'm like, I wonder, like, I don't know if it was a time before, of course, but like it's so many people who want to just take shortcuts and like not do stuff right. And like what is going on here like <laughs> in the in the world of of sim too it's just like i don't know how much i <laughs> how much i can trust y'all anymore because y'all like to uh <laughs> Bruh. these shortcuts that i'm not ready for uh yeah it's craziness 
yeah but it's, it's an adventure <laughs> yeah. it's an adventure being a black woman in america a black person exactly. anywhere in the world but a black woman in america yes it is very interesting it's definitely like i don't know i feel like I feel like I see something happening in the future. I'm very optimistic about the future. Although, like, you know, I do sometimes get a little nervous about what I see. <laughs> right. Just like, it can be very, very challenging. Um, and then in each space, like, sometimes I think what helps, too. Like, I, I like that, you know, you talk, we were able to, through this business resource group, connect. And you're able to connect with a lot of different people. It's just like you stop being the person who feel like you're battling things alone. And I think that sometimes, like, I don't know this whole quota thing because of the black and then the minority, the double minority thing, how they get numbers with mm-hmm. the women, they're having a black woman get a two for one. And yeah. like you end up being in a space that's so isolating and you feel like you're just doing stuff all by yourself. And it's just like, I'm not connecting with anybody. So I'm like, I'm so happy that like we're able to engage with one another and like, and be able to break out of those, like, this is just happening to me situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a lot of work to do. Like, so you have, your, I'm celebrating this moment where we are able to connect, but I'm also very, uh, very like, I feel like something else has to be done. Like it, it can't keep on being these, like it's one black woman in this department and one black person in that department and one mm-hmm. black person over here and one black person consulting, speaking for all the black people. <laughs> just like, yeah, like, I um, think, I think what is encouraging, I can speak for our company um, without naming them, but I think because they're starting to tie it to, to like, CEO level like money if you're tying it to yeah. people's money then you'll actually see some progress and we just have these pie in the, I think for a lot of companies for so long it's been these pie in the sky yes it's yep. important flowery good time and you really just spent maybe get to knowledge awareness level of information and and maybe networking and connecting but really because if you make these large objections, like they are side, not objections, but objectives rather of you're going to have, you know, 50%, you know, 40% people of color in, in, in leadership mm-hmm. positions. That means now they have to put some money and effort behind developing people to be ready for those positions if they're not right. So that's part of like yeah. the whole thing in the last few years, you could say, okay, you know, you're building new organizations, you build them out. It's like, I get it's, it's not cool, but like you get and you look at these organizations and it's like, oh man, they have this opportunity to add more visible diversity in, in those things. But the problem is, is that, you know, they haven't done sufficient. There's a couple little fronts of, I think, I think any organization. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're leading a company or you're part of an HR group, take, get your pen and paper out because Monique's going to give her, her, her thoughts. First off, it's not on us black people to solve your problem, but I will help you in this instance. Um, <laughs> but um, I think the, the keys are flooding the pipeline, which is making sure you are reaching out to these Diverse organizations like the Nesbys and, you know, there's a, a black microbiologist group, 
all of HBCUs, um, communities of color that exist throughout, you know, the U.S. and the world, reaching out and, you know, really becoming part of and partnering with those communities so that you're flooding the pipeline. Because most big companies, you the way you get a job there is one of two ways. It's, it's you start there as an intern mm-hmm. um, or you know somebody who knows somebody, which the know somebody to know somebody, only people you only know so many people. So that mm-hmm. becomes a thing. And to me, the, the key on the intern piece that I think for companies need to do is not only to reach out in communities where there are diverse, visible, visibly diverse, culturally diverse places, is to also then set them up for success so that regardless whether it's, you know, uh, you know, people from a certain socioeconomic level, and even if they're white, black, purple, whatever, um, providing the opportunity for them to do an internship, and uh, especially in places where we where you operate, where maybe it's a very expensive cost of living, and, it, and if they're going somewhere that's different than where they are, to cover a certain stipend for housing. Exactly. Because that was the big thing um, for our site that we run into with interns. You end up getting the same kind of pocket of people who either are from here, whether they go to, you know, they may go to school at MIT or Notre Dame, but they're from the Bay Area because they can live at home or with an auntie or uncle or cousin or whatever. Um, Or people who can somehow afford to partner with some money from Stanford or whatever, whatever. Because most people, I remember one of the times I was going to have an intern, it was when they went to an HBCU, they accepted, but then they had to go back because they looked at cost of living was too high. So I think having a stipend or working out a partnership with like a, you know, those hotel-y, but they're kind of like apartments type of things so that you say, okay, we're going to have these number of rooms for this period of time. Let's get a workout, a rate, you know corporate discounty situation. So then people have that option. They could choose to stay somewhere else, but at least you could say, all right, mm-hmm. they'll have a safe space. That's, you know, you can probably in most areas find someone that's regionally reasonably close and whatever, whatever. So I think that's the key to not only recruiting at certain places, but all at more places in diverse locations, HBCUs and all that stuff all over the U S. Um, and then, yeah, making that, even in that playing field of having a stipend for housing. So yeah. then people don't have to think about that aspect as one, one thing to like flood, help to flood the pl- pipeline. And uh, like when you say that too, cause like it's, it's been so many like situations where I saw like things, like even with like, in, if you've been talking about housing, like there has been companies who have, um, who have offered like a lot of incentives to their interns um and at the same time they just haven't recruited any black interns like you have a, 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 an amazing incentive program but you're um but you recruited your intern because one employee knew when the position was opening they had a friend whose kid was in school and this like and, and I'm like in the industry that we work in it's so small like the way people are like it's really like this person knows this person or it's really like they model it after like you are the me like oh, if I'm managing, I'm going to pick from this university and this person did these activities, that sounds like somebody who, um, like, they really, even with the incentives in place, like, they still recruit from where they know. And I think Mm -hmm. that when it comes to all of this, 
DEI, like the diversity, equity, inclusion stuff, I think that they really have to change the framework because I think they're trying to really just put a bandaid on a problem. So pretty much after like people are becoming upset about all like and data is, is coming out too, like data that we didn't have before. Um, and it's revealing a lot of statistics that are embarrassing to say the least. Like it is so embarrassing that your company has existed over a hundred years. Um, and your numbers pretty much look the same from the sixties to now. And mm -hmm. like, 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 you know, it's, it's like, it's no way that you, you didn't recruit, like you couldn't maintain like a pool of, of individuals to make it into this market. And then I think that a lot of times we, uh, the conversation is like, we just didn't know, we just didn't know. And I think that they're able to rely on that ignorance too often. And they don't try to resolve the issue. So when you're, when you know, like within America, where funding goes for schools, you know how universities rate people. And then like, even just in terms of, like when you think about, like I always go back to this, like I went to a school in North, like I, my school was underfunded in underfunded area. And then I went to a predominantly white university my, my freshman year in college, a school that I couldn't afford. But I went anyway because it was a small classroom environment. So it was majority white individuals. And my GPA wasn't like the greatest, right? So I had like a, I had a 2.9 something GPA. Um, I think it was like a 2.99. Like I was right under uh, 3.0. And like you had to have like a 3. Point, like I think you had to have at least like a 3.25 or something to get into school. So I'm like, thank God. Like you know, you just get put in places um, with all of the combination of things I was able to get in. It's probably whatever. Um, but long story short, like understanding like my my roommate's GPAs were like super high. Like they had above like 4.0, like between a 3.9 and a 4. Point whatever from taking AP classes. And mm -hmm. then you get into a space where you're like, okay, well, you had to take like the curriculum like how your parents force you to take certain classes and then you know the dynamics within the school are different because it's like well they don't want you to to fail and like it's a push from their parents to make their kids go to certain schools and then when you're in these same classrooms when you're all learning the same material not that they know more like it's so confusing that like you have this this four point whatever and i mean I'm they're smarter than you Mm -hmm. like I'm helping you so now I'm thinking that like oh I'm I'm thinking that I'm inadequate I'm thinking that I'm gonna come here and learn something from you because you're telling me your GPA and I'm like I don't even tell y'all what my GPA is but now I'm helping y'all <laughs> in calculus I'm helping you in biology I'm helping you in chemistry and y'all got 4.2s or whatever and I'm like the way you're recruiting people it has to change because now you're looking at numbers that pretty much don't mean anything. You're not right. looking at people's abilities. You're not looking at how um, how people are able to navigate in different environments. You're not looking at people, like what people are bringing to the table. And I think that you have to really get a holistic view of what somebody's going to bring because the recruitment strategies are really outdated. And I went mm -hmm. to this, like um, this DNI, um, like it was like some workshop. So I was, it was some virtual thing. I don't even know how I got on it, but I like joined and it was 
like they were saying how they have to change within the company, how they recruit their recruitment practices. So like, even if you um, like, it can't be just you have an interview because people have biases, biases that they're going to bring to the table. Like you can't, like they're not going to just go away. So it was just like, they had something where they were saying how people was, it was pretty much like on the job interviewing. Like you were pretty much performing to see how you function on the job. And that's how they were actually like hiring somebody. Like that's an idea. Like, let me see how you perform in this in this setting. Not let me not just look at what you have on paper. And I'm like, I was so for it because I'm like, so many times, like throughout my experience in college and through my career, it was like I didn't look good on paper always. But it's just like if somebody worked with me, it was a very different um, experience than if you just saw what I had on paper. And it's like, how many opportunities have I been denied? And it's just like, even with resume writing, if you're somebody who's like, I had nobody in the science field before me, like nobody in my family is in science. Like I don't have anybody, like nobody likes math or that, like <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nobody likes math, nobody's into science. The stuff I was looking for, the certain things that you have to have on your resume, like nobody knew what I was going into, right? So even with putting certain things on my resume that I didn't know that I would have needed, like, I just don't know. Like, it's stuff that I've done that I didn't know that go on my resume. But until I get into an environment where I can talk to people who are actually in the field, that's where I was able to, you know, add stuff in or do the right thing. But I'm like, what happens to those people who have the skills, but they're overlooked because you don't come from an environment that the person who's hiring is comfortable with or the person who's hiring is used to, they automatically assume that you don't have the skills fit for the job. So I'm right. like, I think that when we start to get into all these diversity and inclusion programs, I think that you have to, you have to really take what you have and like pretty much throw it in the garbage because you're not going to get, yep. you're, even if you put a metric. So if you say, I want to hire 40, I want to hire the whole company black, like, are you, or I want to have a whole quota. Like I want, like, you know, you have these quotas, but it's just like, what are you doing differently? Like, okay, so you're just going to now all of a sudden find black or find diverse talent out of the blue and you're going to just pick people from at random and you're going to like, you know, you're not, and then that's also devaluing the person who's like, you're not even looking for people, like you're, you're going to start creating positions because you have to meet the quota. You're not looking in the pool that of people who are qualified for certain positions. You're not looking for the best talent. You're looking for the person who meets the metrics. So it's just like, it's so many pieces that are involved in it that I don't think that they realize, but they want to, they want to appease everybody and make everybody feel comfortable and say, this is what we're going to do. But it's just like, you're really just putting a bandaid on it. You don't really want to resolve the problem. You just don't want to be accountable for the stuff that you you've done. Or like, you know, the fact that you still haven't fixed something where you could have fixed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with um, over the next bit of time. I know they've, I think it's, I can speak at least to the DEI office, I think has a lot of passion around it. I think HR has a lot of passion around it. I think they're slowly starting to figure out that they do need to do something different. And Mm -hmm. I think it's coming together and it will be just interesting in the next, you know, three, four, five years to see how it progresses, right? year to year right yeah. are we going to see some progress we're going to see as you know because 
got a mixture of like older, you know, there's kind of the two waves of, of people, right? There's, there's the people that are about to retire. There's this whole slew of folks in that kind of arena that in the next, you know, five years will retire and see where are Mm -hmm. we seeing some growth and development so that you'll see people elevating within, within, um, diverse people with that are already in the company elevating in those spaces. And then as we see more waves of the new kind of new kids on the block coming in and seeing what that kind of pool and pipeline looks, looks like. So mm-hmm. we'll see. And that's what I hope. I hope so. Like I'm, I'm very hopeful, but it's just like, you know, at the same time you, you have to look back at what happened with affirmative action. And it's just like, we, we put in quotas and, you know, if the mindset, the culture, and all that stuff doesn't change around it, you're just gonna end up mistreating the people that you end up getting, and they're gonna leave. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then we'll be back at square one. So I'm, I'm, you know, I keep my hand in it just to see how it's going. Yeah, <laughs> so I can help wherever I can, and you know. Yep. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think we got through most of the topics, roundabout ways and stuff, which is I love. I love just letting it organically. I sent out t- outline, but you know, you just got to let the conversation go where it may. Um, just drawing tangents everywhere. <laughs> no, it's all. I mean, I mean, that's podcasting. I listen to a lot of. I listen to a fair amount of podcasts, and I listen to some of the stuff that my husband listens to for podcasts. They have like three hour episodes and just be like tangent, coming back, <laughs> tangent and coming back. It just makes it part of, you know, like a real conversation. So that's what I think yeah. podcasting is that mixture of, yeah, it's like a, you know, informative, but it's also like how conversations are, right? We're at the yeah. virtual kitchen table or whatever. So Vir- virtual friends, like you feel like you're at a uh, friend. <laughs> Yeah, you're just hanging, you're like, you know, a couple glasses of wine or whatever, just chatting it up like we do. Exactly. Cool. It's my first podcast. (laughs) There you go. There you go. It'll be all good. Um, But yeah, thanks for the invitation. (laughs) Absolutely. And thanks for thanks for accepting and not being like, oh, no, I just, you know, I don't want to come. No, thank you. Bye. (laughs) So really appreciate having you on. And yeah. uh yeah. Yeah. Growing. I feel like I'm being stretched. Like God is doing something within me. So I well, why deny <laughs> the opportunity? Won't do it. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks again to Zanetta for sitting down with me. I know it's been a while since I've released an episode, just been moving and all kinds of crazy stuff, and we'll have to do a little episode on all the updates in my life lately um so thank you this was originally recorded in february and i'm posting it in may but you know life on life's terms so i hope you have enjoyed this podcast episode if you've enjoyed it please like and subscribe um as well as share with your friends and family um we're on pretty much every podcast platform spotify um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. Um, all of those great places. So please share it. Um, and visit our website, thevictorypodcast.com. There you can subscribe to our Patreon page. You can also um, look at our merchandise and support in that way. Uh, in this episode, as I do every episode, every problem has a solution. It's whether you're willing to do the work to find it. Let's do the work and be victorious.